Welcome to Fireside Nets, brought to you by Empire Sports Media. We are your hosts. I'm Spen Harris. He's my baby bro, Nick Shanman. And Nick, this is going to be one of the wildest podcast episodes we've had yet, just because of what the fuck is going on with the Brooklyn Nets. This is I like I, should, I feel like I should have cracked a beer or something, but I'm trying to be healthy this week. I had a beer with dinner. I needed it. Uh, I'm not drinking right now. Well, I gotta Watching take my the- I gotta take my shirt off in the show this weekend, so okay. I'm trying to get trying to get fit, you know. Okay, for those who don't know, Nick uh, acts and 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 performs in a sketch comedy show. We'll get to that later on in the episode. But Nick, this is the first Fireside Nets podcast we're doing in the post Kyrie Irving era. I am my, wearing my all, first one on the Upper East Side. All black, as you can see, black shades, black hoodie, urine blacks. Shout out Slate Milk. Because it's a funeral. Kyrie Irving's time as a Brooklyn Net is dead and buried. And you know what? I'm actually okay with it. I want to get right into it. Obviously, you know, you know, with Kyrie Irving now on the Dallas Mavericks, he, tra- he made a, a trade request late in the week last week. The Nets honored that and traded him. I think on, on Sunday the deal was announced. And then today, today's – Monday. Monday, it was official. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith come back. We get a first-round draft pick, two second-rounders. They get Kyrie Irving and Markeith Morris. Uh, So I said that I'm happy about the end of this era. We have just endured so much bullshit ever since Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant joined this team. A little bit more came with James Harden. But Nick, if you want to point a finger at anybody in this organization, and I don't have a personal bias against Kyrie Irving, has he done some things that have really perturbed me as a human being? He has. But all in all, he's so good at at the sport of basketball, your almost instinct is to look the other way with all the the off-the-court stuff, all the, you know, him not being able to play full seasons, uh, obviously, he got hurt in that Buck series, but but I'm, th- I'm not talking about the injuries. I'm talking about the stuff that can be avoided that isn't. Look away because he was so talented on the court. And he'll go down as one of the greatest scoring point guards in the history of the game, one of the best handles in the history of the game. He is a champion. And one of the best headaches in the history of the game. Yes. So th- th- that brings I guess me one of the, the worst headaches, one of the biggest headaches. I'm done complimenting him. I'm finished. He's not a Brooklyn Net anymore. I, I just said a lot of nice things about his game. But, Nick, you said it best. As, as far as dra- drama-filled just players go, nobody had more drama than Kyrie Irving. And you know what the annoying thing is? Like, if he was a bad guy, you know, just a bad human being, evil, committing crimes, committing atrocities, you're, you almost accept that more because – Obviously, that wouldn't stand. That, that you know, he'd be out of the league. He'd be off the team. But his stuff is just so—it's just so different. Let's call it different. Uh, some of it was hateful. Obviously, I'm talking about him, uh, you, you know, re- retweeting or, or promoting that that anti-Semitic film. Um, but 
I, I, it was just too much. And every single Nets fan was just done with it. And I think that, you know, whether or not we can compete for a championship, which we'll get into in a little bit, you know, that, that that's a whole nother storyline for, for us Nets fans. Um, I think that we're, and I can't speak for everyone. I'm speaking for myself, Nick. I'm going to remember the Kyrie Irving era in Brooklyn this way. It was amazing to watch a player of his caliber player for the team that I root for. That part was fun. I lied. I, I'm going to compliment him one more time. But the off-the-court issues every single season, not getting the vaccine, this, that, and a third, his spectacular play wasn't worth having to go through that other bullshit. So I'm going to remember his era here as sort of a wasted four years because of all that other bullshit. Those are my thoughts. Give, give me, I mean, what do you think of now that he's gone, now that he's no longer a net, like where are you in this thought process? And by the way, thank you for letting me get all that out. This is, I needed a vent on this episode because this is a guy that we've rooted for for four years. It's It's been a weird relationship with him and Nets fans. That's just how I feel though. Yeah, thank you for that. Uh, I'll grade your rant uh, B plus. Um, I feel desensitized, honestly, to all these big moves and trades and everything that happens to the Nets organization. Uh, it's more just kind of a, a smug laugh and a roll of the eyes. Um, I'll say the most frustrating thing about this is not even that he's been playing. I mean, he was what? top 10 in scoring in the past couple of weeks, averaging over 30 a game, just on fire. Um, I don't even care about that. I more so care that this team has shifted and mixed and, and broken and reformed so many times in the past few years that it actually felt like we were starting to gain a little bit of chemistry and these players were starting to feed off each other well. Irving was finding Claxton. Royce O'Neal was, was uh, uh, playing his game. Obviously, Ben Simmons in and out. Sometimes he'd look like a reminiscent of the Ben Simmons of old, but for the most part, a little washed up. But even he was, you know, learning to play with these guys and everyone, Joe Harris was starting to step up again and shoot. Well, Seth Curry was having a couple of good games. It just felt like to me, yes. Has it been a rough ride? Has there been a lot of controversy? Sure. It just felt like things were kind of clicking. We went on that amazing win streak. I know KD got hurt and that got hindered a little bit. I was okay with that. Obviously, KD rest up. We're still top five in the East at the time. But it just bothers me that now we have to rebuild again. And, and a rebuilding, not even from the ground up, but a reforming of that chemistry. Uh, Dinwiddie back, uh, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, I know we'll get to those things and whether or not they're both staying for a long time, whether or not we're, we're making moves with the Raptors, and I will get into that. All these things, it just to me pushes back in a championship it's are we going to get the best pieces right now like the like the miami heat with lebron uh, uh wade and bosh or the lakers when they first got uh lebron and ad and they were still crushing it? Are, are we going to form a team like that that could win instantly no it just doesn't seem like we're trending in that direction so it feels like we're going to get some younger pieces we're going to get draft picks and this championship that we've dreamt about that seemed possible when Harden arrived, that seemed possible when KD arrived, just keeps getting postponed. And it just keeps getting realistically pushed back year after year as we reform and tinker and try again and drop players and pick up players and give max contracts and break contracts. It's just, it's just to me a little bit of a headache at this point to keep waiting 
even now with KD hurt and Kyrie being Kyrie, I still felt we had a chance to make a deep playoff run. I'm not going to sit here and say I was super uh, confident in our chances of reaching the Eastern Conference Finals or the actual finals, but I was feeling good. I liked where we were at. I was excited for KD to come back. So I'm desensitized to Kyrie. Do I care that he left? No. Do I care that whatever has come in and whatever will continue to come in, player side, money side, draft pick side, uh, am I worried that that just kind of pushes back our chances of winning further and further? Yes, and that's what frustrates me the most and you know gets me less excited about this current season. Does that answer your question? It does. I mean, yeah, L- losing a, an elite player like Kyrie Irving sucks. His talent, there's nobody like him in the game of basketball. I mean, I think the next guy you'd, you'd look at and say, okay, he's as good as Kyrie Irving as a scoring point guard is a Damian Lillard, right? Just as far as like what he's got in his bag. Um, but I don't necessarily think that we're that much worse off without him. And I, I want to get into that, but before I do, you know, there are Nets fans out there. Oh, I apologize guys. I have my sound on my other laptop. That's very unprofessional of me. Well, at least you're watching the Nets the game. Sound. I am. That's on mute though. Um, there are people out there that think that the front office is to blame for some of this. And listen, three of your, your best players have requested a trade in the last two years, James Harden, Kevin Durant, now Kyrie Irving. Um, how much blame do you put on Sean Marks and Joe Sy as opposed to the players? You're asking yeah, me that question? question? You. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I thought it was, thought it was on the podcast. It was rhetorical. Um, I guess I would say 50-50. What? I'll, I'll tell you what. What? 50-50? What are you saying? I say way more on the players. No, well, here's the thing, right? Because it's two out of three. KD, I actually don't think what I would consider like an organization liability. I think he gets – I got fed up after a while with the Thunder. He wanted to win a ship. I think then he didn't like – you know, being in a, on a squad of all superstars with the Warriors and wanted to start building somewhere else. But I think Kyrie and Harden, no offense, are like, well, I guess I'm going to agree with you on the players, but I think Harden and Kyrie are probably the two biggest headaches in the league. I mean, Simmons, Simmons was just kind of a mental, mentally unstable guy. When it comes to like contracts, uh, dissatisfaction, impatience, dicks in the locker room shitting on other players not wanting to be in certain cities getting mad at the fans you got Harden and Kyrie at the top of the list so I'll say Kyrie and Harden 100 percent uh uh no I don't want to say a percentage because I'm still saying 50 50 those two are an exception (laughs) but my point being we brought them in we tried to make it work after all the Kyrie bullshit we still tried to make it work we were able to get rid of Harden fine whatever then we take in Simmons after all the shit he's pulled, and I, I do like Simmons. I just think he's not mentally in a place where he's, he's ready to play all-star basketball. We bring Simmons in. Take a chance on him. Uh, like, There's all these things that we do that perpetuate the problem. It, at the end of the day, you could have like a super whiny, annoying kid, but how much is it the parents' fault for letting him whine, for, let, for get, letting him get away with all this bullshit? All right. so, Your analogy is comparing the three elite players on the Nets to kids and their parents? Yeah, 100%. When you are a coach, when you are a general manager, when you are an owner, it is your responsibility to keep players in check. Let's take the Jordan documentary, for example. Do you remember when uh, uh, Dennis Rodman, like 
during the, the playoffs or finals, like flew to Vegas because he needed to like clear his head and party. And Phil yes. Jackson was like, listen, I know Rodman needed to do that. And he was going to come back and be in a better place and help us win. He came back better place. They won the championship that year. So it takes everyone in the organization to know what your players will and will not do and what they're capable of to get you closer to a championship. We put our trust in Kyrie. We put our trust in Harden. We put our trust in Simmons. We put our trust in Durant. So how is it not 50% of the blame on us for putting our trust in them and believing that they would stay loyal to the organization, grow with the organization and help us get closer to our goals. If it's so, it's not, it's so easy to point a finger and say, Kyrie's a, a problem. Harden's a problem. We know that we still let those problems in thinking we can help solve them. So that to me was why the blame is always going to be 50, 50. You can't expect people to change. Um, bitch. I, I just like, that's wrong on so many levels. Um, I guess without breaking it down, you even said in the beginning of your rant that it was a hundred percent on Harden and Kyrie. No, I didn't uh, say hundred percent. I, I heard you no, say hundred percent. No, I shouldn't have used that. Was just an expression. Look, let me let me let me be honest with you. Are Marks and and Cy like maybe five percent responsible for bringing in these insane talented players and them just not really panning out? Yes. Okay, fine. I'll give them five percent, but. It wasn't Sean Marks and Joe Sy who told James Harden, you know, hey, demand a trade request because our best players hurt and our other player didn't want to take a vaccine. It wasn't Joe Sy and Sean Marks who, and I understand, like, you knew Kyrie's background in Boston didn't work out. Before that, he was with Cleveland and it did work out. So at that point, he had only really torpedoed one franchise, two if you count the Cavs. But like they didn't know that all that stuff would happen the last two years and he'd get hurt the year before that. I don't blame that on them. I blame that on Kyrie because that's how the injury, the other stuff was, like I said earlier, avoidable. Kevin Durant, I think that's closer to 50-50, maybe 60-40 in favor of you know it, it being on Durant as opposed to the front office. I think that's a lot closer because I think KD had a point and when he opened up about the trade request, you kind of understood why he felt the way he felt. Um, but I think, I think you're crazy to say 50, 50, there's no way that James Harden and Kyrie Irving in the middle of it, like right before the deadline being like, trade me, I'm unhappy here is on Sean Marks and Josiah. Um, we're moving on. I don't even want a rebuttal from you in this trade, in this trade with Kyrie Irving, we give a, a wave goodbye to Markeith Morris. I actually loved Morris as a net. Uh, I loved his minutes. He hit some shots. He was, you know, the tough guy on our team. He got in that fight with, with Sohan on the Spurs. Um, I'll take a Morris brother on my basketball team any day of the week. Those guys are just fucking tough as nails. They can shoot the crap out of the ball. Actually, Marcus Morris got ejected in this Clippers-Nets game. Uh, but, yeah, bye-bye, Markeith Morris. Wish, uh, you know, wish it lasted longer. I don't give a shit. I'm trying to win a championship. My okay. seventh. My seventh guy being able to fight someone isn't a big deal to me. <laughs> he was like the 11th guy, but he was able to fight people. All right, we move on. So in this return package, we have a familiar face rejoining the Nets. Nick, how do you feel about the return of Spencer Dinwiddie on the Brooklyn Nets? I love Spencer Dinwiddie, man. Um, I welcome him back with open arms. Do I think he threads the needle? Eh. Do I think we're going to need a couple more pieces? Yes. 
but I love Dinwiddie's energy. I thought he was having a great season on the Mavs, man. He was shooting very efficiently. He was working with Doncic well. I mean, all the attention Doncic, 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 Doncic was getting. Doncic was getting was helping <laughs> Don Dinwiddie uh, uh, get some open looks, and I think Durant's effect on the court will do the same thing. So I think Dinwiddie will thrive. I think he'll be shooting in the high 40s percentage-wise. I think he'll be averaging within no time, you know, 14 to 18 a game once he finds his groove with this Nets team. Um, I guess, you know, we talked about this offline. We'll talk about it here. We lost a big man, didn't really gain a big man. I guess you can call Dorian Finney-Smith, like, at times a stretch four, but he's more of a three. You know, he, he's a great rebounder. He's a good defender. He could shoot from the three-point line. Let, 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 me, let me say he's this. Not, he's Dor- not Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith is – a stretch four, but he's not a big guy. You know yeah, what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. He, I'm trying to compare him to someone, you know, I, I like having, I like having him on the court. It's almost funny. He's almost like a, a, a very, very poor man's Kevin Durant, right? What? No, 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 no. I think, I think he's a limited Harrison Barnes. He's, he's a little, he plays a little bigger than Harrison Barnes does. Harrison yeah, but, Barnes but he doesn't have as much in his bag, I think, as Barnes does. He doesn't have enough in his bag. He doesn't have as much in his bag, but, but, he, but he plays a little more down low um, as a stretch. I like Jordan Finney-Smith. Again, these are two guys. I'll give Dinwiddie a B. I'll give uh, Jordan Finney-Smith a C if we're just going kind of the A through F player scale in the NBA. Obviously, we gave away an A. So I, I, I maybe give, I'll give Finney-Smith a C plus. I like these guys, but we're going to need to make big moves. We're going to need one more person at least, especially someone with size, to even get us, in my opinion, in you know ending the season in the top five in the East. Um, so I like, our, like I said, I like our two guys. They don't thread the needle for me. I like them both as players. I think they're both also uh, good attitude players. They're team players. I don't see either of them you know, being any sort of liability, which to me is an X-factor of importance, especially when you have someone like Kyrie Irving on your team. So to get rid of drama, bring in two solid guys, I'm okay with it, but there's going to be moves to be done. I'll start with Dorian Finney-Smith. Really like his length, like the way he defends. I mean, if we keep Ben Simmons, when we're healthy, we have a ridiculously elite defensive lineup in Nick Claxton, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Dinwiddie. Like that is a long defensive-minded unit. Um, so that's that's one thing. I, I, I like the fact that Finney Smith is a shooter. He can hit the open three. Um, so I, I like adding him. You needed to get a little bit bigger bigger on the wing. By adding Dinwiddie, you did that as Norman Powell misses a three. There's nine minutes left in the Nets-Clippers game. Uh, Nets are down 99-94. Um, okay, so that's how I feel about Dorian Finney-Smith. Spencer Dinwiddie. Can we get into this anomaly that is Spencer Dinwiddie? It doesn't make sense to me. Um, He goes to the Nets, absolutely kills it. Then we sign Kyrie and KD. So right then and there, you knew he was going to have a reduced role. Coming into that season, you know, tears his stuff in the first few games, and he's done. Next year, he walks, as he should, because – if he had stayed with the Nets, his role, he, he wouldn't have had a real role on the team. They just didn't need him. So he goes to Washington, kills it, plays really good for Washington. Washington says, you know what? We like Luka. We're going to trade you to Dallas. Goes to Dallas, has a great year. The year they, they you know, played the Suns, um, and it was it was uh, him and Brunson. I think that was last year. Yeah, and, and they just did what he looked great. And then this year comes, and the Mavs are like, 
See you later, Spence. We don't want you either. Like, he's a good – oh, by the way, it's not done. The Nets get him as Cam Thomas nails a three to tie it up 99-99. The Nets get, get him in this trade, and then it's reported they were trying to talk to Toronto to see if maybe they can switch Dinwiddie for Fred Van Vliet. Would you have rathered Fred Van Vliet over Spencer Dinwiddie? I would rather die than have Fred Van Vliet on my team. This so, guy so then, is like yeah. the uh, this guy blows my mind that people want him on their team. He shoots 39% from the field and 34% from three, and he averages 20 points a game. So he's yeah. hucking. He's like Brandon Jennings to me, but like a but like a shorter, pudgier version. So no, shorter, I don't pudgier get that. version of Brandon Jennings. But, but, um, but yeah, I, no, it, yeah, I somewhat get the Spencer Dinwiddie bouncing around right because he's not a star he's but he's a good bro scorer. then why is reggie jackson showing as the starting point guard for the clippers you telling me reggie jackson is a better player than spencer dinwiddie no but i'd say he's more of a role player than spencer dinwiddie spencer <sighs> I dinwiddie, know, I mean, and dude and i'm and i'm a big spencer dinwiddie guy just just to give people listening um some context on who we got dorian finney smith he's 29 years old he's averaging nine a game shooting 42 percent from the field 36 percent from three and about five rebounds a game Dinwiddie this year with the Mavs. He's 29 as well, averaging 18 points a game, shooting 46% and 41 from three, and five assists per game higher than his career average. So uh, these are two valuable players. I understand Dinwiddie is important, Span. I understand he, he's a great scorer. He adds a lot. Those five assists to me are also huge because he's you know, a, a solid passer, never been considered a great passer throughout his career. Uh, and now that he's playmaking more is a great sign, especially for us. I just feel like if Dinwiddie was as, as significant of a pickup as you say it is, then why are we so desperate to find other pieces, right? He's not Kyrie. He's a significant step below. He's a great scorer, but he's like well, Kyle Kuzma, like a, a solid scorer, you know, thinks he's a little bit better than he is, shoots a little bit more than he probably should. I mean, at 46%, I can't, I can't blame him for shooting off the season. It's not a guy who's going to like take a team to the next level. Okay. I agree with that. I, I do like Spence, though. I think that Sean Marks is not done, right? He, he's got a few days to make a move. Thursday's the trade deadline. There are a lot of talks that they're, they're talking to the Raptors about potentially trying to get Siakam. I've seen Yakov Pertl's name floated out there. I've seen Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan's names floated out there as well. There are a lot of guys on teams – that would rather go the opposite way and not be competitive and trade their stars as Nick Claxton just had a ridiculous defensive sequence. All right, oh you're distracted so- watching this game. I'll tell you who this, I this want. This is amazing. No, 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 no. Hear, hear me out, though. Hear me out. So Sean Marks is not done. He's going after guys. This Nets roster is not finished. And I'll tell you that the best thing about this Clippers-Nets game, right, whoever wins, and we you know, we could win, we could lose. It'd be a great win. Two, two wins in a row without any of our stars would be incredible. But here's the real deal. Kevin Durant was on the bench tonight for the Brooklyn Nets. Do you know what that means, Nick? Do you know? I'm that, asking. He, that he's potentially on the trading block? No, it's the exact opposite. The last two times that Kyrie Irving and James Harden requested trades, they did not show up to the games that were played. Or actually, Harden did show up but he was dressed in his suit and it was clear that he was being traded because I was at that game last season when the Celtics beat us by a hundred um, this year, Kyrie gets announced, you know, out of the game. Jacques Vaughn says it's a quote unquote sore calf. Like 
you're you're absolutely just you know you're you're not you're, you're fucking with me. It's not a real thing to have a sore calf when you have a trade request. You're, you're not playing. But Vaughn couldn't say that. So I say all that because Kevin Durant, if if you if you did not see him at tonight's game, that was going to be troubling. But he's there. He's rooting on his team, and there's something to say about that. So Sean Marks. For all you Nets fans out there, as of Monday, 9.36 p.m., February 6th, Sean Marks is not tearing it down. He is not rebuilding. He is going to make this Nets team more competitive when Kevin Durant returns around the All-Star break. And that, coupled with getting rid of Kyrie Irving, is why it's not an awful time to be a Nets fan. It's actually a liberating time to be a Nets fan. Nice word. Nice use of the word liberating. Listen, I'd be lying to you if I said I was that pissed off that we traded our second best player. And honestly, this year's because Kevin Durant's been out a long time, our first best player. You rarely have that in sports where you get rid of the best guy on your team and you say, you know what? We're just better off. So anyway, (laughs) I say all that to get to the two quotes from the two coaches of the Nets and the Mavs. Um, Jason Kidd, I sent you you and our dad the Jason Kidd quote. I thought it was absolutely hilarious. I'm pulling it up right now. Jason Kidd on Kyrie Irving. We have a relationship. He's all about basketball. He wants to win. He wants to be coached. This is a great opportunity for me. Yeah. It's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. I mean, what else? I mean, listen, that's so scripted. Obviously, he has to put something out like that, but that's almost laughable. Jason Kidd is a terrible public speaker. Great basketball player, great point guard, but he sounds like a second grader writes his pressers. I know. I know. He's not a smart dude. I mean, absolutely high basketball IQ, but doesn't seem like a smart dude. I like seeing KD in the stands. That's, that is. That's awesome. Right. Oh, I want to hear your reaction on KD, but real fast, Jacques Vaughn, when asked about Kyrie Irving before the game, because the trade wasn't official yet, Vaughn said his calf is still, still, still sore. (laughs) That's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. All right. What you, but you like hearing that, right? I bet you didn't know that because you're not watching the game. No, I I don't have the game on right now because I, I'm locked in my room. Um, no, I like that sign. I, I love KD, man. I know KD gets a bad rep sometimes, and he's one of those players, probably top 10 most hated players in the league outside of, uh, outside of Brooklyn. But when he wants to be a good teammate, when he wants to be a hype man, he, he could be, and he brings a good energy even when he's on the bench. So that's a, that's a great side to see. Um, I'm just thinking about the players you mentioned that were in talks. If we're going to the Raptors, why would Van Vliet be in discussion when there's Siakam on the line and OG Ananobi, who I have always adored, dude. Ananobi is a guy that does everything right on the basketball court. I mean, this guy's 25 years old, averaging 17 a game, 46 from, uh, from the field, six rebounds a game, a block a game, two steals a game, uh, two assists per game. Fantastic defender, efficient scorer, smart player. Ananobi is a guy to me. I would love to see in a Brooklyn uniform, but I understand Siakam being more of an offensive threat and being a a bigger body could be more interesting to this Nets organization for exactly what we need. And just to give people uh, some context on Siakam this year, 28 years old, averaging 25 a game, shooting 47% from the field, eight rebounds and six assists. So obviously Siakam, uh, an overall more uh, elite player, especially on the scoring side, is Ananobi. But Ananobi's young. He's hungry. He gets better every year. I like him a lot, too, but that's more of a long-term play. I don't want DeRozan, and I love DeMar DeRozan. 
I have always been. DeRozan shoots mid-range. Nobody fucking shoots mid-range besides DeRozan and KD. That's like a cool thing to me. Like Aldridge used to shoot the mid-range, and that was such a, a weird thing for a big man to do. DeRozan's a great scorer. He's getting older. We don't need another uh, two or three that does the same thing as Durant. I would rather have a Joe Harris or a Seth Curry where Durant makes space. They hit them, and they can hit a knockdown three, play their roles, let Durant be the mid-range shooter and the more uh, efficient scorer. We don't need kind of a, a smaller version of Durant on the court. With that said, I like Zach Levine. Zach Levine is young. He's athletic. He has superstar potential. He's had superstar uh, uh, stints in the NBA. He's had ups and downs. I, he, he gets hurt. He gets hurt, Levine. That's his issue. He gets, he gets hurt. Injured. He also, because he's streaky. He's streaky and he's injury prone. But I like the upside of Levine. Um, I like him almost coming in at the two. We could play kind of a... a a Harris and Levine in the one-two, or they're not really true point guards. They're people who could work the ball around Durant and just add another uh, offensive threat. Also, not a liability on the defensive side. So I like Levine more than DeRozan for the potential as well. Um, and then I know, I mean, do we want to discuss the only thing – are there any other players right now that people are discussing besides those kind of main ones? That's really it. Um, there was talks that – if the Nets were serious about Pascal Siakam, the Nets would have to throw in Nick Claxton in the trade. Yeah, and basically that's, that's what, what you do is you go and buy like Yakov Pertle for a year, and that's your team. Like Yakov Pertle becomes your center, Siakam's your four, KD's your three, and like Dinwiddie's your one. I guess DFS oh. and Royce O'Neal your two. That's still a pretty sick team. It is, but we but you you lose your <sighs> defensive anchor in Nick Claxton. I mean, we have put so much time and effort in developing Claxton into this defensive player of the year contender. He's just so solid. It just feels like he belongs in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. Right. You think of guys right now who are quintessential Brooklyn Nets players, and it's like Joe Harris and Nick Claxton. Listen, if it wasn't for Nick Claxton, the Nets would be a 500 team this year, if that. He, he is – I wouldn't say he's solely responsible, but he, his contributions on the offensive and defensive side of the ball – have been a major, major factor in the Nets winning basketball games this year. Almost as important as Kyrie's scoring has been, almost important as the Nets' three-point shooting has been, has been the play of Nicholas Claxton. Um, my final question on this is, and I have a question and a comment. The question is, what grade do you give marks so far on, on the, the, the Kyrie trade? Well, it's funny, right? It's hard not to, to read everything about this trade and listen to, I know, I know CBS sports gave the Mavs like an A and gave us a C. Um, talk about CBS sports. They don't watch I guess Nets. I personally would give maybe you the know, Mavs a B and us yeah. a B minus. Okay. I, I, I take that. Yeah. Is that it? Us a yeah, B minus. Oh, I was Mavs just going to say, I, I'd almost rather be in our position, but you really can't give us a higher grade when you, when you just have a Kyrie Irving in the conversations because he's such a effing superstar and, and almost just a score at will player. So as much as a controversy as he is, and I am happy to see him out of a Nets uniform because of all the headaches he's caused us, I can't give us a higher grade just based on the talent that we're acquiring. So Mavs B, Nets B minus with, with longer term potential. I take back what I said about CBS sports. I, I do care what CBS sports thinks, but I, I just think I watch more Nets games than the people at CBS sports. Um. Yeah, I would give the Nets a B plus, given the situation. 
Like if they just made this trade out of the blue, it's a C. But the fact that they were able to get a first and two second rounders for Kyrie Irving, whose value was in the gutter before the season started, um, I, I am absolutely in love with that. I think that Marks did the best he could. You know, you had an offer from the Lakers. You had an offer from the Suns. You could have had CP3 and Jay Crowder. You could have had Russell Westbrook and picks. But you chose this offer because it made the most sense for what you're trying to do. So I, I am absolutely in love with that. Um, yeah, I give him a B plus. And for the Mavs, I guess it's an A minus because you, I guess you, you gave Luca the best player he's ever played with. But let's be real. I don't think either of us thinks that that team is going to work out in the postseason. No, because they were still lacking what we were lacking, which were bigs. Right. Their best right. big is Dwight Powell, and right. you're not going to win a ship with Dwight Powell. So, yeah, did they get uh, another superstar? Sure, but they're still so light down low. So, to me, it's uh, an interesting move. I don't know if they're thinking long-term they would trade Kyrie and flip it for more, but we'll see. Okay, and then my comment is it is depressing that Ben Simmons – has zero trade value right now. There was a report out today that nobody wants, like like nobody. So that is really tough because he's got a decent-sized contract. Um, we got to move on, Nick. There is a game going on right now. There's three minutes and 40 seconds left. The Nets are up two against the Clippers. Now, I'll talk about who wins this game at the very end. I won't mention it after this. But it is worth noting, Nick, that Cam Thomas, who had 44 points against the Wizards on Saturday has 45 points against the Clippers with three minutes and 29 seconds left. And he's going to the line for two free throws. Um, Holy fucking shit. Cam Thomas has back-to-back 40-point games. Do we think about trading him? Or do we ride him out and play him big minutes down the stretch even when KD and Simmons come back. What do you think of this emergence by Cam Thomas? And is he on the trading block still? You know, it's funny how Cam Thomas will, will just erupt. He's done this in the past when, when we're kind of playing our second tier guys, he'll be the stud of the team. And then immediately when our guys come back, he's on the bench. We don't give it a second thought. So I guess the question is two back-to-back 40 point games. Does he deserve a second thought? Is he a guy who could be, an elite player on a, on a playoff contending team. So it still feels like no to me. What's his current trade value? I still don't find it top. Obviously it's not top tier. It's maybe mid we can get, who would you get another Dorian Finney Smith caliber type player for Cam Thomas's potential. Maybe um, I, I I'm impressed. I love him. I think he's has unbelievable scoring uh I really, it's the only thing he could do is score, to be honest. I think that's, that's why he doesn't get as many minutes. But do I see him being a part of a winning team with the other pieces we have right now? Not really. He's always going to be like a 10 to 15 minute off the bench guy at best for a little bit of a scoring boost, a little bit of an energy boost, because he could take people to the hoop and hit some pretty electric shots. So I don't know. I guess if we could get some sort of value to this team, uh, 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 you know, a B, uh, a C plus to B plus range big for Cam Thomas for for a team that's a little light on the guard position. I would one hundred percent do that. I'm just not sure two forty point games is enough trade value to really say, hey, he's on the block and someone give us a great deal for him. But yeah, I don't. I also don't see long term potential with him as a net. So, 
only you could like look at two 40 point games and just shrug and be like, yeah, like nah, screw him. Um, which is basically what you said. I mean, bro, look at like Isaiah Thomas had the had the all star season on the Celtics, and then I know, nobody I get wanted it. him, I get and he, and he I, faded I get into it. oblivion. I get it, but I'll say this, man. I would only move him if you're going to get a superstar back. And what's great about this, and what's great about the way Kyrie Irving played down the stretch, which was amazing, the fact that Cam Thomas is doing this three days before the trade deadline, it's if you're Sean Marks, it's exactly what you want to see. It's it's a win-win because either you trade him and you move him for someone better, or you keep him and you start giving him more minutes in the rotation, and he becomes a microwave, a Lou Williams, uh, one of those guys who can who could just. But you, again, you have to play him big minutes. That's the only way he's going to erupt. So. Very cool to see him go off. Clippers uh, have taken the lead. They're, they're up a buck 15 to 113 with two minutes, 13 seconds left. But Cam Thomas has 47 points. Uh, so just, just an insane night for Cam Thomas after a 44-point performance against Washington. Um, Nick, speaking of Washington, it was a big statement win they had on Saturday against the Wizards. Uh, it came down to to a pretty pretty close game. The Nets won 125 to 123. Um, the, the story of, of that game, just like the story of the game tonight, I said Cam Thomas, 44 points. But Edmund Sumner, man, Edmund Sumner has been phenomenal for the Nets these last few games. He had 29 points in that game against the Wizards. Uh, a lot to like about that win on Saturday against the Wizards team, who had most of their guys. Kuzma went out with, with injury, no Bradley Beal, but they had Porzingis. They, they had... Um, you know, Daniel Gafford and, uh, yeah, it was just a really good win when, when everything's not going your way, you know, Kyrie Irving's not there. He's, he's, he's requested the trade and stuff. And, uh, it was just great to see. It was just absolutely great to see. I'm glad you're happy. I want to see you happy. I feel happy. I feel good, Nick. This is a different kind of feeling. Um, Let's see. What else do I have here? Uh, Cam has been playing like a madman. We talked about that. Win against the Wizards. We're not going to talk about the loss to the Celtics. Uh, how much did we lose by? 43, was it? We're not going to talk about that I don't that want to loss. talk about that. We're not going to talk about the last game that Kyrie Irving played as a Brooklyn Net. We got walloped by his former team. And as the leader of our team, maybe, maybe he should have us more prepared for a game like that. Maybe. Maybe. But we're not going to talk about that game. Um, Nick, million dollar question. Can we still compete for a title this season when Kevin Durant comes back? Let's hypothetically say we make a move or two, we get the right pieces. Can this team compete with the Celtics and the Bucks in the East? With just Kevin Durant back and the current team we have after these current trades yeah yeah let's let's start with that yeah because we're not going to know who no we're not going to know who comes back in the trades uh so yeah with kevin durant back with this roster the way it's constructed do the nets have any chance to compete if you're telling me durant's back 100 healthy dinwiddie so we're looking at a lineup that's probably going to be dinwiddie Dorian Freddie Smith, Joe Harris, durant and claxton or you think we got royce o'neill instead of harris no i th- i think that yeah yeah, one of those two. One of those Royce and Neil Harris interchangeable. Yeah. yeah, one of those interchangeable guys. Oh, uh, and we're, and we're still, I didn't even consider Ben Simmons in the starting lineup. Um, I'd put him at center, but you have Claxons. So you don't if, need to. I'll tell you what. If you're telling me that Ben Simmons is going to play double double basketball for the rest of the season, 
everyone is healthy and these guys start to click. I give us a good chance at a four or five seed and a first round win. I get, I start to get a little skeptical on the second round, but I still think we could do it. And beyond that to me right now seems a little out of reach. Uh, I have confidence in these guys. I want to believe in these guys. I'm excited to see them start playing together, but that would be my God's honest truth right now. Are they a championship contender? No, they are not. A guy that I don't think you're going to see on the nets. I think he's going to get traded. I agree with you, by the way, they're not a championship contender the way they're currently constructed. Uh, Joe Harris has had a long, great tenure with the Nets. He's actually been shooting the ball pretty hot as of late. Um, did not shoot it well in this Wizards game. Hasn't really Clippers? shot it a ton. No, I was talking about the Wizards game the other day. He did oh, not shoot okay. it well. Sorry, sorry. He did not shoot it well that day. And then tonight, he's he's only got six points. Uh, I think he gets moved. I love Joe Harris, but I don't think that he has the defense that you need in the postseason. He has let up a few big buckets here. Batum just got an and one. Uh, before that, it was it was Chris, uh, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, both going to work on Joe Harris. I think when it comes to the playoffs, you need guys like Royce O'Neal. You need guys like Dorian Finney-Smith who are going to give you a little bit more defensively, Yuta Watanabe, than Joe Harris. I, I think that's how the Nets can get exposed. So um, I'm just seeing it in this game. I, I mean, the Nets have done a pretty good job on everybody outside of Kawhi, who has 24, and Paul George, who has 28. But I think Joe Harris is a guy that gets moved. I also think that Seth Curry, probably another guy that gets moved. I think we can see like, – I can see Sean Marks moving both those guys um, for, for an upgrade. You move both those guys, Simmons and Picks, we might see a really good player back. Yeah, I don't care about Seth Curry, so you can doodly-doodly-do with him. Um, I like Seth Curry. I, I think he's a great shooter. He, to me, he's just such a, you know, have him, don't have him on your team. Nothing really changes except for some great shooting nights from three. He's really not doing much else. Joe Harris would be sad to see move. I understand why he would move. But like I said before, it's like him and Claxton are like the last two remaining guys on this Nets team that when you think Brooklyn Nets of the, of the last three to five years. Um, so that would be sad to see. And you know, as a as a Joe fan and a believer, I wish he can get redemption in these playoffs with the Nets and, and have a bounce back. The last couple of seasons in the playoffs did not do him uh, uh, any favors uh, for this Nets organization. So do I wish, you know, all of a sudden he started shooting 50% from three and averaging 15 a game and going into the playoffs hot and kept it rolling? Yes. Odds of that happening are slim. So understand if it happens, but I would be disappointed to see it. All right, I'm with you on that. By the way, this Nets-Clippers game, pretty much over. Uh, Clippers are, are probably going to take this one. But Brooklyn put up a fight. In the end of the day, it was it was a duel between Cam Thomas and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Those guys won. But a valiant effort by Cam Thomas, who led the Nets with 47. Edmund Sumner, Sumner 23 points for him. 15 and 15 for Claxton. 15 points for Royce O'Neal. Eight points for TJ Warren off the bench. Um, we have Phoenix tomorrow night, Tuesday night. If you're listening Tuesday morning, that's tonight. Uh, just, yeah, I, I mean, you give the Nets credit for competing in a game like today. Uh, down a lot of guys. You knew it was going to be a tough one against the Clippers team that, that desperately needed a win. Um, pretty much at full strength, the Clippers are. Uh, but, yeah, yeah, pr proud of this Nets team. And, Nick, I'm excited to see this 
what this post Kyrie ever bring post Kyrie Irving era brings us. Cause I think it's going to be a, a lot of team oriented basketball, a lot of guys stepping up, which is what we've seen these last few games. Um, and I'm excited. And I think Katie's watching this and I think he's got to be a little bit motivated. I think he's got to see this and be like, you know what? I'm going to come back and I'm going to lead these guys. I'll tell you what, it's sometimes frustrating, but it's never boring being a Nets fan. There is there always go. something going on. We always got a chip on our shoulders. We always got guys who are looking to compete, and we always got a fan base who's who's going to fucking go crazy for whoever's out there on the floor, even if it's Cam Thomas and, and Ed, Edmund Sumner. So, yes, excited to see what happens. Um, hope it picks up sooner rather than later, but only time will tell. All right, final score, Clippers-Nets, 124 Clippers, 116 Nets. Nick, I, I did want you to plug your show this weekend. Uh, for everyone out there listening, Nick acts in a show that he wrote called I Mostly Blame Myself, and he didn't just write it, so did uh, a few of the actors in his sketch group. They have two shows, Friday and Saturday, both at 9 p.m., Nick. Yeah, both shows at 9 p.m. in Greenwich Village, right next to the Comedy Cellar. Uh, it's called the Players Theater. Nice big off-Broadway theater. Uh, if you like, you know, Family Guy, South Park comedy, uh, uh, we're super raunchy and crazy and wacky and wild. And I'll give anybody who's listening to Fireside 50% off with code 50 off. So look up I mostly blame myself.com. Go to tickets. Should be the first link and just use 50% off if it's not there already. I would love to see you guys there. And afterwards, we'll we'll go get a drink at the Folly or Wicked Willies in Greenwich Village and have ourselves a time. Nick, do you serve alcohol at this show? We do serve alcohol. It's five bucks a beer. So you're not seeing those prices anywhere else in New York City. I'll tell you that. What? Listen, Brooklyn Nets basketball and sketch comedy. That's what this podcast does best. Check out I Mostly Blame Myself uh, this weekend. Catch a show. Otherwise, um, as always, catch you on the fire side. Later, guys.